for tuning into the 535th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me in this show part of your day, whether via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast number platform you may be listening to me via. Going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. Going to have Nathan Swafer on the show uh, to talk some Kansas City Chiefs football. I'm having that Nathan on since the Bills and the Chiefs played. We thought it was going to be the AFC Championship game. It ended up being the Bengals. Now the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl versus the Eagles. Now, before I get to all those great conversations, all those great football conversations I'm going to have with Nathan, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be a Reddit threads, Facebook groups, et cetera, et cetera. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify. I've written timestamped. You can click on that timestamp and we'll send you whichever part of the podcast you'd most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at nighttrain underscore lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane. You will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here as well as my second show outside the shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, I feel like the pod. And for right now, we're not folks, but just don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Nathan on the show to talk some cheeks. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Nathan Sway, for staff writer for Kansas Two Four Seven. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So the last time I had you on the pod, we were kind of talking about the Bills Chiefs impending matchup that never actually happened in the playoffs. <laughs> I know. That we all thought was going to happen. And then Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins said, you know, not today, guys. Uh, were you surprised that that happened? Um, I'd say yes and no. I was a bit surprised. I'll, I'll just say this right now. I thought the Bills just never looked fluid in the playoffs. Um, when, they, when they started struggling against the Skyler Thompson-led Dolphins team, something just was off. It felt like, now, going into that divisional round game with the elements, you know, the snow, the cold, I thought the Bills were just going to steamroll the Bengals, and we'd be heading to Atlanta for a neutral site AFC championship. But I can't overly say I'm surprised because Joe Burrow has just been so clutch in the playoffs, and the Bengals have always gotten better as the season's gone on. So I'd, I'd have to say I'm a bit surprised by it, but at the same time, I don't. I think we're at the point where it's like, besides Pat Mahomes, can you really count out Joe Burrow in the playoff game at this rate? Because he's only lost one playoff game on the road, not counting the Super Bowl last year, and that was the AFC Championship this year, which in reality, he could have easily won if it hadn't been for Chris Jones coming up clutch on defense. 
Yeah, I think the Bengals have just kind of like interrupted like this this thing that's going on in the AFC. I think the Bengals are going to be a problem. Uh, and as a Bills fan, I'm not looking forward to facing the Bengals. They beat the tar out of the Bills. Uh, oh, trust me. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I can't tell you how happy I was when the Chiefs finally beat the Bengals because they had lost to them three times in the calendar year. And just seeing the Chiefs being able to beat everybody but the Bengals that that AFC Championship game, besides the Super Bowl win in 2019, that was the most joy I've ever gotten out of a Chiefs win. So coming into that game, though, so you see how they blow out the Bills. Are you kind of like, oh, crap, like the Bengals are going to beat us? Because, like, the proof in the pudding is that they beat the Chiefs the last three straight times they played them to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence coming into that game. Um, and it wasn't just because of the high ankle sprain, or you know, we're not sure about what Mahomes is going to look like. But there, there's a there was a history there where the Chiefs. I, I, I'll make this argument of the previous three games. I never felt truly that the Bengals beat the Chiefs. It was more the Chiefs continued to beat themselves. You know, because in the first game last year, it was just horrible defensive play calling and just no effort on the defensive end. In the AFC Championship, it was just a complete meltdown on all fronts. And then in the game, the first regular season game this year, you know, just costly turnovers at horrible times. So I never really felt like the Bengals truly beat the Chiefs, but it was just more the Chiefs being themselves. But nonetheless, Bengals got the W, so that's really all that mattered. But coming into this game... I'll be honest, I did not feel very confident. I didn't feel like they were going to be able to shut down the Bengals' offense. I didn't feel like they were going to be very efficient offensively. Um, Now, if there's one thing you really can't count out is that Andy Reid will develop a game plan for any type of situation. If they would have had to start Chad Henney, he would have put Chad Henney in a situation to succeed because he's just that good of an offensive game planner, along with Eric Bieniemy as well. Um, but yeah, it was it was surprising as we got into that game to see how efficient they were on the offensive side, especially even though they couldn't run the ball. That's what really surprised me is that we saw that we've seen this multiple times in the playoffs with the Chiefs in the past three or four years, where if they can't run the ball, they have a lot of trouble really getting going on the offensive end and getting that train chugging along. So it was surprising to see how efficient they were for the most part, and then it's pretty incredible to watch the defense grow through the year because one thing that we have we have to realize is that this is a secondary that's starting three rookies right now. Three rookies, including two late-round picks in Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, and it's been incredible to watch them grow along with Trent McDuffie Brian Cook and just all those rookies in the secondary grow and get better as the season's gone along. And then obviously that Chiefs pass rush has been unbelievably balanced um, for the most part throughout the season. Obviously, Chris Jones is probably, has probably been the second most dominant defensive player when it comes to rushing quarterback this year behind Nick Bosa. And then I don't know how Frank Clark does it in the playoffs because he's Oh, he's just awful all regular season and then just becomes one of the best playoff pass rushers there's ever been. I think he's now third in playoff sacks. 
And that tandem, and then you're adding guys like Joe Gnally, George Kalafis, Carlos Dunlap. And it, it, it's been incredible to watch how this defense has adjusted throughout the season and how they really started to come into their own. And I think as much as I'm not a huge fan of Steve Spagnuolo, you have to give him credit because he's been able to adjust this defense as the season's gone along. And especially one thing that I can't deny is that he's found defensive success despite the fact that he's not blitzing as much because that was, you know, Spagnuolo's, you know, trademark for years and years and years. He's the guy who's going to blitz and he's going to be the guy who comes up with disguised blitzes all the time to get pressure. He's not really done that as much this year because the Chiefs have finally had a fairly reliable four-man rushing attack. So it's been it, it, it's been blissful to see the Chiefs finally be able to get that pressure in on a quarterback that, frankly, outside of Chris Jones, have been non-existent for two, three years. And really, this team has just they surprised me in that Asian championship, along with the resiliency that they showed. I mean, they had some not-so-great moments, but they came up big when it mattered. And then you go into it, right? The Chiefs, another fourth-quarter lead against the Bengals. And really, the Chiefs controlled that game for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, like, it's in the margins again. How, how nervous were you getting then? Oh, God, that was a wreck. The thing that has happened every time um, the Chiefs have played the Bengals when Burrow and Mahomes have been there, that game has never been decided until the fourth quarter. It never had been. And I think every time, I think this is the first game where the Chiefs didn't have a lead going into the fourth quarter, which I'm like, well, maybe we're. Maybe that'll be for the best, but um, I'll be honest. When the Bengals got the ball back with, I think it was about 2.30 left, and they had three timeouts or two timeouts, something like that, um, I'll be honest, I, I thought that was the game right there. It, it, it was the same story playing out again to where the Bengals are just going to go down the field, they're going to run this clock out, and Evan McPherson's going to take a game-winning field goal. Same thing that happened in the AFC Championship last year. Um, but, like like I mentioned before with that defense, they came up big when it mattered. And that's something that they have really kind of done all season. Um, you know, and I, I, talk, I talk about how good Chris Jones has been. Chris Jones seems to elevate his play in the fourth quarter. I think seven or eight of, like, his now 17 or 18 total sacks including the playoffs, have been in the fourth quarter within like five minutes left in the game. When it's mattered on defense, he has come up big. He's he's been that clutch player for this team. When you need a big play on defense, he's he might not get the sack, but he's gonna affect the play in some way or another. Um so it was a shock to me to just see them force up angles punt and then, you know, Sky Moore in the punt return game, who uh, has just been a nightmare, in all honesty, because I think he's he muffed three or four punts this season. He was awful. Chiefs fans were calling for his head all season. Do not put him back there to field punts. He comes up with a huge 25-yard return. And then Mahomes on the bum ankle gets that run, you know, gets, in my opinion, what is an unfortunate late hit. Um, I, I don't like to see things like that happen. It sucks when the refs are put in that position that, you know, they don't throw the flag 
it's probably the wrong call. They throw the flag, it's going to look bad. Um, they're kind of putting an impossible situation there, but it, it, it sucks to me that it kind of ended like that. Obviously, Harrison Bucker making a field goal was no, no guarantee, but you kind of felt it at that rate because when it came down to it, Mahomes made a play when he needed to. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a pretty nervous wreck. For those last three minutes of game time, I won't lie. Were you surprised how good Mahomes looked coming off of how he looked against the Jaguars with the high ankle sprain where he's, like, hopping around the field? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, I think I think with how good he played, I think we have to give credit to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, um with how they developed that game plan for him and how, you know, we're going to give him as much protection as we can. We're going to try to keep him in the pocket as much as we can. And Mahomes has proven he can be an incredibly efficient pocket passer. Obviously, he can't make the type of unbelievable plays um, that he's made in his career because most of that comes from outside the pocket and improvisation. But it's not like he can't be one of the best pocket passers in the league. And I think he really proved that his decision-making was really, really good. Um Something that has always happened with him against the Bengals, he's tended to make some pretty bad decisions. I, mean, I think he threw at least one or two interceptions in every game against the Bengals, except this one. I mean, obviously he had the bad fumble that could have easily, easily gone very, very bad. But really, that was the only knock on him all night. And his mobility did look better than I thought. I thought he'd have at least a little bit, but not that great. But I think this really attests to the greatness of how good he was in that game where he was working with MVS, a rookie in Skymore, Travis Kelsey plus the tight end group, and then a practice squad wide receiver and Marcus Kemp when Juju, Kadarius, Tony, McCole Hardman – all went out during the game. Plus, Josh, Justin Watson was out with an illness. He was working with a limited back of weapons, and he still made plays time after time again. And I think that really attests to how good he is. You know, for years and years, people made the argument, ah, Mahomes is all weapons. When you got guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and then when they had Kareem Hunt in the backfield and stuff like that, Oh, it's all weapons. It's not Mahomes. Um, I hope with that we can finally put that to rest because he still made the place when it mattered with in a less than ideal situation um, for the most part. But in some sense, I was surprised by how good he looked. But at the same time, I feel like we've come to expect this from Mahomes. You know, it's really interesting, right? And I have to get your opinion of this as a Chiefs fan. So... Three, actually five straight years, AFC Championship game. Three out of the last four years, they're going to play in the Super Bowl, which is like Patriots territory. Like that, what Andy Reid and Mahomes are doing, it's kind of like Brady and Belichick type things. How does that feel? Do you kind of feel like like it's like that in the moment? Yeah, I do. I'll be honest. Chiefs Kingdom and Chiefs fans are starting to turn into Patriots fans. <laughs> so much success. We are... I'll be honest, we complain so much about everything. I mean, everybody says, oh, Chiefs fans are the worst. They're so annoying. Yeah, they're not wrong. Uh, we're, we 
we we become what I like. We become privileged. We've come to expect them to make the Super Bowl every year, make an AFC Championship, beat the good teams, and consistently be the best in the NFL. But something, I mean, for the real Chiefs fans, because you know not the bandwagons that have come on in the last five years, but for real Chiefs fans, this is something we truly have never gotten to experience before because. Obviously, Chiefs in the early '60s were, the, were you know one of the best NFL teams. Um, and you had guys like Hank Stram and Len Dawson, Bobby Bell, but they really haven't had much to cheer for outside of that. We had you know Joe Montana his last two seasons made one ace of championship there, but could never get there. Um, then we got Marty Schottenheimer, who was a lot like Andy Reid, pretty Pat Mahomes, who just couldn't get over the hump. Great coach. Absolutely fantastic coach, but just couldn't ever get there. Couldn't ever finish the job. And then, you know, the, the dark ages, um, when we had, like, freaking Matt Castle and Brady Quinn at quarterback, and Todd Haley as our head coach. Kyle Orton. Wasn't Kyle yeah. Orton on some of those teams? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm bringing up bad memories. Yeah. Oh, man, Kyle Orton. But, yeah, those were some... That was a bad few years. And then finally we get some help with Andy Reid and we go and trade for Alex Smith, have some good drafts. Um, but once again, can't get over the hump, can't get to the, to the championship round. Horrible losses to the Patriots and Steelers in the divisional round. Awful wild card losses to like the Colts and the Titans. And, oh man, it was... It, it was bad, and it's so – it feels deserved but also not deserved for Chiefs fans to be in this moment, to be in this situation where we finally feel like what – how good it feels to have not only a good team but to have one of the best franchise quarterbacks in the league, have one of the best head coaches in the league, have you know one of the best tight ends in the league, defensive linemen, just to have – those star caliber guys with this team is something that Chiefs fans really haven't got to experience much over the last three decades, especially so. Um, it, it's hard to tell ourselves not to take this for granted because we come to expect it. But I hope that if we win on Sunday, if the Chiefs win on Sunday, we truly won't take it for granted anymore because it's like, what we're doing is absolutely unprecedented, and we need to appreciate the greatness that we truly are watching right now. Are the Chiefs already a dynasty, in your opinion, or do they need to win the Super no. Bowl to be considered a dynasty? No. No, 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 no. I hate when people are throwing out the dynasty. Okay, okay. Um, the dynasty phrase. In my opinion, to be a dynasty, you need to win two or more titles in, I'd say, a six-year period. That's kind of how I look at it from all sports. You know, with the NFL, I especially think that rings true. Um, for like, you know, MLB, maybe there's a little bit of flexibility there because it's harder to keep a team in one place. Um, NBA is kind of a, NBA is kind of a little bit easier, I would say, because you can keep a lot of those core guys. But you know, especially in the NFL, I'd say you just need to win two titles in six years, and you need to have pretty consistent playoff success. Um, and I hate that people have thrown out the word dynasty. Like I said, geez, I'm like, they have won one Super Bowl. That's that's all they've done so far. 
if they win on Sunday, then I think we can really start that discussion. Um, but right now, no. I don't say they're a dynasty. I think you can say, excuse me, that they are one of the best teams in the last decade. One of the best franchises because they've had that continued success. But the truth of the matter is, they've only got one ring out of that. You know, Mahomes is going to win his second MVP on Thursday, which is great. You have all this individual talent, but in my opinion, to be a dynasty, you at least need two titles in those few years. So I think I got a little bit of harder qualification for a dynasty. I think you need three. Yeah, I, I can argue that. I think, I you, think if, if you put three Super Bowls in there, I think that needs to be over like a year period. That's fair. That's fair. And I, th- I think within that, you probably should make at least four Super Bowls. Um, I think I think if you can, I, the more Super Bowls you get to, um, a little more leniency with that because you know the more you make it, the harder it is to win. You know, with the Chiefs. If they lose the Super Bowl, it's like, yeah, they've made four Super Bowls and they've won one, which means they've lost three, which, no, no, I can't count apparently. They've lost two of those three Super Bowls that they've been in. So it's like, can you really call that a dynasty? Because they keep losing when it matters the most. So, you know, it's, it's always difficult to define a dynasty these days because you know, you look at the dynasties in the past with the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Steelers. Um, you know, more recently, you can even throw out maybe, I don't know. I mean, besides the Patriots, it's kind of difficult. Maybe maybe the Broncos a little bit with Peyton Manning, but I mean, the fact of the matter is they only won one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. So I think they're, they're in that territory of, yeah, they were – really good to have have some of the best teams that we've seen in the last few decades, but the fact of the matter is they won only one Super Bowl. So, and yeah, it's it's, it's always so hard to define what a dynasty really looks like. And I also think you need to go back-to-back. I think going back-to-back helps. Yeah, I, I I would have said that maybe 15, 20 years ago, but the fact of the matter is going back to back is so difficult these days that now I, I wouldn't say maybe back to back but maybe two out of three um I think two out of three can get you there um but I mean the fact of the matter is nobody's gone back to back since the 0304 Patriots yeah which extremely hard. I, I think I think I think that attests to how good this league has been but also how difficult of a task that is um Especially with how difficult it's become to retain talent. Only a few teams have ever gotten back to the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Like, I'm thinking off the top of my head, the Seattle Seahawks, the Legion of Boom, and Mm -hmm. the Patriots, the second go-around with uh, Brady, Belichick, and those guys with Edelman and Gronk, they went to -to Mm back-to-back Super Bowls, and and the Chiefs obviously did. But Mm -hmm. besides that, teams aren't going back-to-back Super Bowls. Even the Bills, as good as I think the Bills have been, the Bills haven't even gotten to back-to-back AFC Championship games yet. <laughs> yeah, it, especially when it comes to the AFC for the next 10 years, I'm not sure we will ever see back-to-back AFC Super Bowl participants. I truly believe that because in you know right now you've already got three teams in the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills who are all just beating up on each other trying to get there, and I think in the next two, three years, you're going to see teams like the Jags, and if the Ravens 
can keep Lamar, I think, will be in that conversation. Chargers. Chargers. You're going to have all these teams that are Super Bowl caliber team with great quarterbacks who are just going to beat the hell out of each other during the season. It's, it's kind of like the Big 12 in men's basketball right now. Everybody's just going to beat each other up. And I'm not sure we'll ever see two straight participants. Um for for at least the next the next five years. So you wouldn't favor Kansas City to win the AFC next year. This is always where it gets difficult to favor who or. I mean, here's what I say: whoever wins the AFC or the NFC should be favored the next year, assuming they keep a lot of their core. I think that's. That's just a given. In my opinion, the Bengals should have been favored to make the Super Bowl again this year, deservedly so. Um, had the Bills won a few years ago, they should have been the favorite. The Chiefs should be the favorite next year. I always have felt that, that they have earned that respect. Right now, they are the top of the class in their respective league. You know, even with the Rams, that was kind of the same thing coming to this season. They should have been favored despite what everybody else looks like, because they've earned that respect. But the problem is that that just never works out like that, because you've got teams, you know, kind of like with the AFC West this year, the Chiefs really were not favored to win the AFC West. Everybody was saying that they'll finish second or third, but, like, the Chargers are going to win the division, or the Broncos are going to win with Russ. So being favored has always become... A toss-up, in my opinion. But I always believe that if you've earned that respect by winning the AFC or winning the NFC, you should be favored the next season regardless. It is crazy, though, that people keep trying to find other teams to put over the Chiefs. Like, the people were favoring the Chargers to win the division, which is it just... It's very ironic how that happens. And, you know, yet again, everybody mentions what's going on with Tyreek Hill's not going to be there. All these guys aren't going to be here, but... The Chiefs, they're the ones who always seem to make it to the end. They win the AFC West again, and they're in the AFC Championship game, and they win the conference. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers, I think, have been the preseason AFC West champs for the last six years now. So, but, you know, it's... Here, here's what I say. Let, let your record do the talking. And for the Chiefs, they let the record do the talking every single year. And that's why they've won the AFC West like seven or eight straight times. So what I want to do is I want to take a quick break. And I think up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I want to talk about Mahomes' goat case. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? Drafting Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern and see what prop bet will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Chiefs versus Eagles. Let's see who's going to win the big game, folks. I'll be the last one standing. 
Oh, we're back with the Barbershop Sports. I'm going to have Nathan with us. So, Mahomes, as you mentioned this earlier, he's probably going to win a second MVP. He's been to three Super Bowls as a Super Bowl MVP. Five straight AFC Championship games. He's been the de facto, quote-unquote, the imaginary title of best quarterback in the NFL every year since he started. Maybe uh, his first year, people would have said somebody else is better. But really, for his whole career, he's been the best player at the position. Most talented player probably ever. Maybe Aaron Rodgers has a case for that. Where is he right now on the GOAT trajectory on the little graph? On the trajectory, he's headed in the right direction. Um, I mean, to say that his first five seasons as a starter haven't been the best five that we've seen, I, I think it's hard to argue that. Um, maybe yet, not yet, he's had the winning success, at least when it comes to pure Super Bowls, that Brady had. But statistically, he's been better than everybody and in all honesty, it hasn't really been that close. Because he's broken records quicker than anybody with more efficiency than, you know, Marino didn't do it. Brady didn't do it. Peyton especially didn't do it, but he was not great his first few years. But nobody has been able to stack up to him yet. I, I think the closest that we would will get, I think Josh Allen can be in there. Statistically, Justin Herbert has been pretty close to him when it comes to just pure statistics, but by no means has had the success winning in the playoffs, and that's not even a question. But if he, if he continues on this path, he'll certainly be in that conversation at the end, statistically. But in the end, the benchmark has been set by great with seven Super Bowls. Uh, now, will I think he equal that? Absolutely not. I don't think anybody will ever equal that. Brady will always be on top when it comes to just pure championship success. But then it brings up the question, all right, let's say he wins four and ends his career as the top passer, the top touchdown scorer, like best passer rating, all, all the statistics that matter. If he ends that statistically on top with – four Super Bowls, then it's like, what do you do with that rate? It, it, it begs the question of, is he truly better than Brady? Talent-wise, yes. We've already proven that. Talent-wise, they're, they're two separate quarterbacks, in my opinion. But, you know, it's unfortunately for a lot of quarterbacks, Brady has set a near-impossible benchmark to work toward with all of his Super Bowl success. Um, now, you can also say that if Mahomes wins this second Super Bowl and wins another in the next two to three years, now we're talking something different because, you know, Brady won those early three and then didn't win another one for a long time. Yeah, about a decade. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it, now it's the question of, well, can Mahomes spread those out better? If he gets to four or five, in his first, let's just say, 12 years, is it possible for him to reach that benchmark? And I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I, I can't look that far into the future. Um, but uh, I will say that if he stays statistically on track, which I'll be shocked if he doesn't, and wins on Sunday 
he gets another Super Bowl in the next two to three years, then we really have to start thinking about this. Because if he gets four, five, maybe six, I don't think he'll get six. But I think four or five is very much in the question. Then, then it will be a very difficult debate to have in the future with who is who is truly the goat. And I've always been in the mindset of championships matter overall. Um, see, you know, obviously you need to be good statistically, but if we're just looking at pure championships mixed with some statistics, Brady is no question to go, and he probably will be for a long time. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing and when you look in the NBA. You know, obviously, MJ had his five. Um, but in terms of pure championships, you can't stack up to Bill Russell. But we don't say Bill Russell is the GOAT for the most part over MJ. So Unless you're 90. Yeah. <laughs> to, to draft three, he's, he's in the right place. But I don't think we'll ever truly be able to definitively say he's the GOAT unless he gets six or seven Super Bowls. So I'll say this. I think four to five is probably the right number where the start. I, I think three, I'm not willing to have the conversation at three. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Four to five, I think we can start talking about it. Six, I think, depending on what else happens in Mahomes' career, six, I would imagine we'd all have to start saying it. I don't think he needs to have more Super Bowls than Brady or get seven for him to be considered the GOAT. I think yeah. that's... Just not the case. I mean, Brady has three MVPs. Mahomes is going to probably have two. Uh, does Mahomes pass Brady in MVPs, Offensive Player of the Year, all that? Uh, also, th- this is just a fact of the matter. When Tom Brady won his first three Super Bowls, Tom Brady was nowhere near being the best quarterback in the league. I, I think people forget the, the, how the mystique of Tom Brady was built. It's similar, similarly to uh, the Michael Jordan hype train where uh, – Everybody says Michael Jordan never lost, but he lost to, like, Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway when he came back, but nobody ever talks about that. (laughs) Nobody ever talks about that. Let's talk about the six for six. It's kind of like with Brady. Like, nobody ever talks about Brady in the early 2000s. When they won their first Super Bowl in the AFC Championship, he got benched for Drew Bledsoe. They had to pull him. They ran the ball. They played defense. They said, hey, don't screw the game up. Similarly, how the Kyle Shanahan was telling Brock Purdy, don't screw the game up. Hit the open receiver. We're going to run the football, play action, and we have a really good defense. We have a really good kicking game. Just don't mess the game up. That was Tom Brady for his first three years. He was a high-level game manager. He was not being asked to carry anything. And Mahomes is the fulcrum. Now, Brady ended up becoming the fulcrum of the offense, and Brady became that guy. But for Brady's first three champions, I mean... Tom Brady could not have done what Mahomes has done at this point in his career. He was not that guy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not, and that's kind of why I said, talent-wise, they're in two different realms, and they always will be, in my opinion. No matter no matter what happens, Mahomes' pure talent will always be viewed in a greater echelon compared to Brady. And I think, yeah, Mahomes' apex, I think, as a player is better than Brady right now. Like, I don't think Brady's ever... I mean, maybe you could argue it. I don't. I don't think. I think if you look at peak Tom Brady, is peak Tom Brady better than peak Mahomes? At that rate, it's kind of like, well, in what sense do you want to look at it from? Because you know, Brady in the pocket, maybe right in the pocket. Oh, absolutely. I don't think. I don't think Mahomes will ever 
match up to Brady in his prime as a pocket passer. But Brady, in every other category compared to when Mahomes is in his prime, because I truly don't think he's even in his prime yet. I think we're we're going to start seeing that here in the next year or so. Um, he'll never match up everywhere else with Mahomes because his creativeness is far be- and beyond better. His um, mobility is so much better. His arm is better. His accuracy, maybe, maybe not. You have an argument there, but scrambling is not even that prime. Yeah, I think the only thing that Prime Brady will always have over Prime Mahomes will be pocket passing. And frankly, that's not even out of question. That Mahomes might even equal that, but I don't think he will. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes can definitely do more things. Mahomes can do more things. I guess it always becomes like, what does Brady specifically do? Is that better than the multiple things Mahomes can do? It kind of goes back in like the Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady argument, right? Like Aaron Rodgers can do a lot more things than Tom Brady, but what Tom Brady specifically does and he excels at, like he's better at, right? Uh, I think that kind of gets it. And Brady's longevity. That's also the thing. And quietly as his cap, that's the biggest reason why he has seven Super Bowls and 10 Super Bowl appearances. The man played till he was 45 years old and was like, he was never a bad player in the NFL. Like, so, like, is is Mahomes going to do that? Because if Mahomes retires at, like, 37, I mean, he's probably not getting, you know, like, now if he plays till he's 45, maybe Mahomes does get the seven Super Bowls. I I don't know. And is he going to be as good as he is right now? That's also part of what makes Brady the GOAT. Like, people weren't talking about Tom Brady being the GOAT until, like, very late into his career. Like, after the Atlanta Super Bowl, I think that's when people start saying he's the GOAT. And then... After the Rams Super Bowl, I think it just became, yeah, he's just the GOAT. Yeah, well, Brady, in my opinion, has been the best adaptation quarterback we've ever seen in Snyder Coles. He was able to adapt with his age, which is something that, you know, we didn't see out of guys like Peyton Manning, who essentially was just a shriveled up corpse by the time he finally won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. But we didn't see that with Ben. We didn't see that with Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. You know, Cam Newton fell off the map, although Cam's kind of a different story because of his injuries. But nobody has ever been able, you know, he's aged like fine one. He's gotten better, really, as he's gotten older, and he's been able to adapt with what he has to work with. That will be a, an enormous challenge for Pat Mahomes because his game relies so much on him being mobile and getting out of the pocket and showing off his athleticism and his arm angles. It will be interesting to see, you know, we get six years down the line and Mahomes is 33, then I think that will truly show whether he's on Tom Brady's level. Is How is he going to adapt to losing, or at least some of his traits falling back because of age? And Brady got better as he got older. I mean... Tom Brady at 37 was much better than Tom Brady at 25. <laughs> like, not even close. Oh, absolutely. So, that's also part of the thing with Brady. Is Mahomes going to... How much better is Mahomes going to... How good is Mahomes going to be when he's 36? That I think that's maybe the bigger question to this. And that's something we probably, you know, won't know till he's there. But in terms of the success, and obviously the talent you are, right? Mahomes is every bit there. How, how do you think Mahomes compares to... I guess a guy he's compared a lot to is like a prime Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. What do you think he compares to those guys? Um, I think he's kind of on par. You know, the thing with Aaron Rodgers especially is that when he was in his prime, he, he, 
he did things. He was Mahomes right now. He did things that <laughs> nobody else could do. Um, he was truly one of a kind. Um, I'm trying, trying to compare it to some other people. I mean, you, you all, people will always make the Brett Favre comparison, at least when it comes to playmaking and gunslinging ability. Um, obviously, Mahomes is so much more composed than Favre was because Favre just threw some absolute awful passes and interceptions throughout his career. Um, but, you know, those... When it comes to those two guys, I think he's definitely on par. I think he's got all the good traits from Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre with not as many of the negatives. Not that there were really many negatives when it came to prime Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's also got all the positive traits that Brett Favre had that maybe Rodgers didn't have as much of. Um, but I'd say he's on par um, with prime Aaron Rodgers and trying to think somebody else. I mean, the thing is... is that Marino, Elway, those were guys who were really talented throwers of the football, too. Yeah. Yeah. I won't... <laughs> I get the John Elway conversation. A lot of people are going to hate me. Oh, <laughs> you're going to say something gotcha. <laughs> uh, I mean, let me say this first off. Elway is an unbelievable competitor. He was one of the best competitors I've ever seen. Elway was not that great, though, in all honesty. Yeah. I mean, he had some he had some Hall of Fame moments. Don't get me wrong. I mean, to get two Super Bowls in your last two years, that that shows some unbelievable grit and some unbelievable, you know, just determination. But John Elway was I'm trying I'm trying to think of a good comparison here, but I really can't. He was he had his moments. He really did. But kind of like Brett Favre, he had some really not good moments. Um, and obviously, there's going to be some bias here because I'm a Chiefs fan. Um, but you know, I could argue the same thing, frankly, about Troy Aikman. Troy was really good. Oh, I think Troy's very at times. <laughs> but is Troy better than Mahomes? No, no. no. I don't think no. it's close. I and mean, frankly, in my opinion, Mahomes has already surpassed Aikman, and if he, I think if he wins the Super Bowl on Sunday, I think he's surpassed L.A. I saw something the other day. Um, well, I don't even think Troy Aikman's a top-10 quarterback, so maybe you're asking the wrong person about Aikman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, somebody was comparing Mahomes and L.A. the other day. and It boiled your blood. It, I don't think it, it boiled your blood, yeah, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, no, but the thing is, is that I can't remember what all they said. I think it was, you know, 4,000-plus-yard seasons, 30-plus-touchdown seasons. There were a few others, but Elway had none. And Mahomes already has three or four of each. So, I don't know. Historically, right now, Elway's still better because he has more titles. I'll just say that straight up. Right now, he's better in... Three, four days, that might not be the case. But, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to compare Mahomes to anybody because he's so unique. Um, now, I think in 10 years, we're going to be comparing other guys to Mahomes because quarterbacks today are starting to have more of that skill set that Mahomes had. We've seen it with Josh Allen, who has as much playmaking ability as Mahomes. 
Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, kind of. Um, Burrow's kind of not quite the physical specimen that Allen and Mahomes are. Not quite, but yeah, but um, you know, I think that when we get into this next NFL draft, guys like Bryce Young, who Bryce Young reminds me a lot of Mahomes. He just doesn't have the arm, but the playmaking ability is there. Um, just you know, then we get into guys like Caleb Williams, who can, who is also right there. Kind of that similar type of quarterback who uses his mobility and arm talent and playmaking ability to just dominate. So I think in 10 years, there will be more quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes than there will be like the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees, the Peyton Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the position is going to be more athletic. You're going to have to have a bigger arm. It's the. The model of a Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that is fading and fading more and more for these teams. But in terms of Mahomes, where would you rank Mahomes all time right now? Would he be top 10? Top 15. Top 15? Uh, I say that because he has the stats to be top 10 already, in my opinion. But I still think he needs that second Super Bowl to really... Say, all right, he's definitively a top 10 quarterback ever, um, at least in terms of overall. Talent-wise, he's top five. Statistically, he's already pretty much top 10 in a lot of things. And, you know, just overall, he's he's getting there. But, I mean, the thing is, it's hard to be in that upper echelon without a Super Bowl. I mean, you got guys like Dan Marino, who, you know, we say almost definitively Definitively, yeah, he's top ten quarterback. But imagine how much more we would look at him if he had a title, even one, because Dan Marino was that good. Um, but I think if he gets the second Super Bowl on Sunday, he's he's there in the top ten, pretty pretty solid at that rate. Who is more talented in their prime? Well, actually, you said Mahomes isn't in his prime yet, but Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes? I think when we get there, we'll look at Mahomes as being just a little bit better. Um, Do you think... talent-wise... Oh, no, go. What were you going to say? I was just going to say talent-wise. I think Mahomes just has a little bit more than Aaron Rodgers. I think he's got a little bit more of that playground football mindset of literally making things happen out of nothing. Not that like Aaron didn't do that, but Mahomes seems to have a little bit more of that and has just a tad bit more success to turn that into big plays. I also think arm talent, not when it comes to just throwing down field per se, but making sure the throw gets there is on par with Aaron, if not better. That's fair. I think Mahomes' arm is probably a tad bit stronger than prime Aaron's. Probably a teeny bit. Not by much, probably a teeny bit. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with that. But the one thing that I I want to see Mahomes do, um, hopefully he'll never be in the situation where he has to throw a sixty yard hail mary multiple times during his career, like Rodgers did in Detroit and in Arizona in that playoff game. But I I kind of like to see if Mahomes can do that and do it accurately because. I mean, the Detroit one, yeah, you can say that was just kind of a cluster going up during the Motor City Miracle. But 
when it came to that playoff game against Arizona, I think that was 2016, 2017. I can't remember. It was in there, but he threw an absolute dart. 60 yards, essentially, off his back foot. That's that's unbelievable. And I, I kind of like to see Mahomes do something like that, just, just for the hell of it, to be honest. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into the Super Bowl matchup with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Cut them next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports, I'm just letting Nathan with us. So we got to get to the creme de la creme, the main event, Chiefs versus Eagles. I assume you're going to go Chiefs. Now you got to tell me why. Well, you I mean, yeah, I, I can't not pick against the Chiefs at this rate. No. I, I've been thinking about this all week because being a sports journalist, I always talk with other guys about just what this is going to look like. Um, you can't you can't deny that Mahomes is going to show up, regardless. Um, he'll show up. He'll have a big game, I'm sure. Um, but I truly think this game is going to come down to whether the Chiefs can not only keep get pressure on Jalen Hurts, but also keep him in the pocket. Because um, the Eagles' offensive line, no doubt, is one of the best. I think they're the best with guys. You know, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, those, those just absolute studs in the trenches. Um, but I've also seen this this season where the Chiefs have gotten pressure without blitzing, but then they can't contain the quarterback. You know, Joe Burrow did it multiple times in the AFC Championship where he ran. Josh Allen did the same thing against them with these mobile quarterbacks. Keeping them in the pocket is just as important as getting consistent pressure. And it will be interesting to see whether they will be able to do that because it, all year it's been it's one or the other. With she's either to get pressure or keep them in the pocket. So I think that would be a big key. But I think another one is how will the Chiefs young secondary hold up? You know, like I mentioned earlier, there are three rookies in the secondary right now. Um, and this is going to be two straight weeks they've gone up against possibly the best, second-best receiving course in the National Football League, you know, with the Bengals and Chase, Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all those guys, Hayden Hurst, the tight end. And now they're going to go up against A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, um, not to mention the threats in, like, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders out of the backfield. This this will be two straight weeks where that secondary is going to get tested. And if they can hold up for the most part, they don't have to hold those guys to, you know, 20, 30, 40-yard reception games. But if, if they hold A.J. Brown to 60 yards, if they hold Devonta Smith, to 50, 70, 60 yards. Dallas Goddard to 20, 30, 40. 
they're going to put themselves in a position to win. Um, and I think that will be the biggest factor in this game is can they hold up? And the thing is, is that those three rookies really aren't rookies anymore. They're veterans. They've, they've been through the battles in the Chiefs. And then, you know, guys like Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed have really elevated their play as the season's gone on. Um, and then with Jerry Sneed, who's probably the best slot corner in the NFL, the best slot blitzer. Um, so I really think it's going to come down to the Eagles' offense versus the Chiefs' defense, in my opinion. Obviously, you can't overlook the trenches on the other side with the Chiefs' offensive line and the Eagles' pass rush because they had the most sacks in the NFL this year. Um, but I, I truly think that it will come down to the secondary of Kansas City versus the receiving core of the Eagles. And I think if they win that battle, there's a good chance the Chiefs win this game. Nathan, I got to tell you, man, uh, I think the Eagles are kind of, I think the Eagles might blow out the Chiefs. Uh, unless this, here's my one caveat. Here's my one caveat. I think for the Chiefs to win this, Mahomes is going to have the best, need to have the best game of his life. Like, it's going to no, take every bit. Gonna it, it, it's going to have to be every bit. I don't think he can. He has to play much better than he did versus the Bengals. Like, it has to be. It has to be at another level. Because here's my thing. I, I don't think. I'll be honest. I, I don't think the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a very good front seven with Chris Jones, Willie Gay, Bolton. But, I mean, the Niners probably have the best front seven in the NFL. And the Eagles kind of tossed them around a little bit. And I don't think yeah. the, the Chiefs are. So, I mean. The Eagles are going to be able to run the ball on them. Now, the, the, the big question is the secondary, right? Because if A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they're getting down the field, then Jalen Hurts is just hitting the deep pass, throwing tubs over your head, then that's a wrap. Then then the Eagles are going yeah. to put up 40 points, and you're just not. Then you're, you're going to have to pass. Then I still don't know about the ankle. And then Mahomes is going to have to be doing a lot of improvising uh, while Hassan Reddick and Fletcher Cox and crew are trying to eat his lunch money. So uh, that's the thing. I, I, I don't know if. I don't know. I mean, Trent McDuffie, he's had a good year, but I mean, AJ Brown's something different. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think the, that. The thing, the thing that gives me confidence, at least a little bit more, is that for the most part, they held up against Cincinnati's secondary enough to where they were able to have at least a little bit of success. I mean, you could argue that the Chiefs should have had one or two more turnovers. In that game, I mean, Trent McDuffie dropped an easy interception on Joe Burrow, and they still picked him off twice. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I think that's where this game is going to be decided. But another thing that I'll also say is that Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to come up with the best defensive game like he ever has if they're going to have a chance to win this game. Um, and I think he's really going to have to do as good of a job disguising schemes. I I was talking with somebody about this the other day. Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to do the best job he ever has disguising his defensive schemes, especially blitzes, because we're, we're going to see in the first two Eagles offensive possessions whether Kansas City's going to be able to get any pressure with a four-man front. If they're getting nothing, Spags is going to have to blitz. There's just no way around. Because um, they're going to so get open eventually. Going, they're going to get open eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. He's got to get pressure. And so, yeah, I think it'll come down to 
how well can Steve Spagnuolo disguise his blitzes? Because that you know that's been his thing for his entire career. He's one of the best, uh, one of the best, I guess, distortioners. I'm sure that's not a word, but he disguises his schemes so well, and especially disguises his blitz well. So he's going to have to come up with a plan to get pressure and, like I said, keep pressure and keep hurts in the pocket. And I think if they can, if they blitz well, um, and they continue to do it, that obviously means that that secondary is holding up, which it, it's going to be tough. It is going to be really tough. Now they get a Bruce back because they've got what Jerry C, who's out of concussion protocol. They didn't have him for a majority of that Bengals game, which will help because he's one of the best slot corners and one of the best slot blitzers yeah. in the league. So that gives you an automatic, you know, one up there. But, I mean, this will be by far the biggest test for this young secondary they've had, even though you can argue, you know, maybe the Bengals receiving core is just a little bit better than the Eagles. But if they can hold up long enough with that front seven at least getting pressure 30 40% of the time, it, it, it might be interesting to see how the Eagles might have to adjust to it. Um, you, know, you say this could be blowout. I'm not, I'm not sure it'll be a blowout. I don't think, I don't think we'll get there. Um, you know, obviously the last Super Bowl they had where the Bucks blew out. Yeah. It gives me vibes of that game. It gives me vibes of that game, Nathan. It gives me vibes of that game. Uh, you you can make that argument, but here's what I'm going to say: Mahomes doesn't have a whole backup offensive line this time. That's true, at least, because um, in my opinion, that was the biggest factor in that game. Because the Bucks were absolutely, I mean, they had pressure in less than two seconds, almost every snap. That's not the case this time. Um, now, can the Eagles have that dominant of a game? They might. Um, they probably have the best I, offense and defensive line in the NFL. Oh, combination? Absolutely. I don't even think it's close. When you combine the offensive line and the defensive line, I think the Eagles are in a class of their own. You, you can argue that you know the Chiefs have a fairly good combination between those two, but the Eagles are in a whole other realm because they've had so much consistent success along both those. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I've said this for most of the week. I don't think the high ankle strain is going to have as much impact as we think it is. Um, now, if if the Eagles are getting pressure every time and Mahomes is having to run for his life like he did in the Super Bowl a few years ago, yeah, it's going to have an effect. But I also don't think it's going to be that this time. Um, so, you know, you say a blowout is possible. Is it possible? Yeah. I'd say it could be. Do I think it will happen? No. And Jalen's um, going to have to turn it over. They're going to have to get turnovers. Because that's another thing the Eagles don't do. They don't oh, turn over the football. They don't turn over the football. Absolutely. If, if the Chiefs can't get turnovers, this will be an incredibly difficult game for them. Um, now, they got turnovers against the Bengals. They got turnovers against the Jags. Uh, they got turnovers against the Raiders in their last regular season. Though I do so, believe, though, that the Eagles they, lead the league in turnover margin, right? Or something like that. They're they're up there. It's, it's, it's something along those lines. They're, they're very, very smart. With the ball, they don't fumble it, and Jalen does not throw interceptions. Um, I think that's also where some of those disguise schemes will come into play um, to see whether Spags can get that misdirection with, when it comes to Jalen and him not reading 
the defensive schemes as well because they're disguised. Um, so I, 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 would, I would agree with that. And I'd say they will have to turn the Eagles over at least twice to truly have a chance in this game. And do you think they're going to be able to stop the Eagles from running the football? Because that's nothing. I, I don't... I don't know if they're going to be able, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to stop. Just point blank. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Eagles from running the football. This is something I've thought about most of the week. Because you want to keep Jalen Hurts in that. You want to keep them in third and long. You don't want them to be in third and short. And that's typically where they live yeah. at. And that's what makes their offense so efficient. They've, ne- they've really never had a situation where defensive lines can just tee off on them on third and ten every play. Because they're always on third and one or fourth and one. They hit the QB sneak and they just blow everybody off the ball. Yeah, um, this is this is something I've been thinking about all week because the Chiefs have been just okay against the run this year. They've had their moments where it's been ugly, but they've also had their moments where they've actually looked fairly good. Okay, so, I mean, last week, for the most part, they did pretty good on Joe Mixon and Shiraz P. P- Ryan. Um, they did okay against Travis Etienne and the Jags. Um now, obviously, you're going up against a whole different animal when you've got Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. And Jalen Hurts in the QB design run game. Yeah, you definitely can't forget Jalen Hurts either. Um, do I think they can stop the run? Yes. Do I think they can stop it the entire game? No. I think I think what we're going to see early, I think we're going to see the Eagles have some success early as the Chiefs defense works into the game. But I think as we go along, that defense is going to get more comfortable. Um, do I still think the Eagles run for over 100, 125 yards? Yeah, I'd be shocked if they don't, to be honest. Um, but if the Chiefs can contain them just enough, I think they can have success. And I think the key, you know, like you mentioned, uh, getting them in third and long situations, but, you know, on the other side, Mahomes and the offense is going to have to probably get this in shootout. So that the Eagles don't really have that chance to really control the tempo and get into that run game consistently. I think if they can, if they can have the Eagles work from behind for a majority of the game to where they're going to have to pass the ball a lot because they're going to have to move the ball down the field, then you're going to see that start to shift more towards Kansas City's benefit because because um, they're just not going to have the time to run the ball. But um, I, I think Philly will definitely find some success in the run game, but I don't think it will be as bad as people envision it to be. And Chris Jones is going to need to have the best game of his life, too. If Chris Jones doesn't have a big oh, game, there's no way. There's no way. And it's going to be that's tough for Kelsey. He's going to have to deal with the Hall of Famer. All-pro Kelsey, all-pro Landon. De- I mean, it's, he's going to have to deal with some dudes. But Chris Jones yeah. is going to have to be the best player on like. He's going to have to dominate his matchups. Like they're, they're going to have to. Their big players need to come up really, really big. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, Chris Jones is going to have to have the best game of his career. Now, he's he's done that this season, though, and it's been consistently. I mean, I, I'd say he's by far his best playoff performance was last game, and probably that was a top three performance in his career was against the Bengals because he was an absolute game wrecker at times, not just with the sacks, but he got pressure a lot, and he was a big force in the run game, which is something that Chris Jones was not good at for the first four or five years of his career. He wasn't really the run stopper. 
Um, and he's become that over the past few years to where he's just he's stuffing runs. I mean, there was one play against the Bengals, I think it was near the end of the half or something, where he he is he almost grabbed the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands as he was handing it off because he just got immediate pressure. So he is truly going to have to be a game record, no doubt, um, if they want any chance. But I'll also say that other guys along that defensive line, you know, Frank Clark, George Carlock, just the rookie, Mike Dana, Derek Naughty, Colin Sanders, all those guys are going to have to make a play, no doubt. Yeah, then Mahomes is going to have to be Mahomes. I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of magic on offense. Because another concern, too, I have, I don't, I don't think the Eagles, I don't think the Chiefs have the receivers who can beat the Eagles' corners man-to-man consistently. I don't think they're being Slay and Bradbury consistently. I think it's going to have to be a lot of Mahomes to Kelsey in the middle of the field, a lot of Mahomes breaking out the pocket. Yeah, this is this is where Andy Reid's going to have to dig into his pocket. He's going to, I predict we see a lot of pre-snap motion, um, a lot of misdirection, a lot of distortion with those offensive lineups. The good thing is that they should have Canary's Tone in this game. They should have Tony. They should have Juju. Um, they're going to have Justin Watson back. They won't have Nicole Hartman because he's on IR again. But having, especially having that threat with Canary's Tony, that game-breaking speed that he has, I predict we see a lot of jet sweep motions in this game with him. And probably Sky Moore, too, because they use Sky Moore in motion a lot this season. Um I, I predict, I truly predict that we're going to see so much pre-snap motion, probably more than we ever have, because they're going to have to get those corners, you know, looking elsewhere. Um, and it, it will be interesting to see whether those guys, especially Juju, Kadarius, Tony, um, you know, Sky Moore, MVS, if those guys can win those one-on-one battles, with, you know, big game Slay, James Bradbury, it, it will be interesting to see whether when it counts, can they step up in man coverage? Because I I don't really think you can play much zone coverage against the Chiefs because if your receivers beat you, then you're screwed. You know, you can put a zone on Kelsey and he'll break it almost every time. Um, and he'll get 10, 15 yards in a heartbeat. So... I we're going to see it. I think we're going to see a lot of man to man because the Eagles have been successful with that as well. Um, but you're going to have to see those receivers really step up and try to beat those just unbelievably talented yeah. corners. Yeah. Um, and, and while I, th- I think some of those guys will have success, and, and while the Chiefs' offensive line I think is very good, I think the Eagles' defensive line is a whole other animal. I think. The, the Chiefs are going to need to find a way to run the ball somewhat consistently. They're going to need to get a lot of screens in there, too, with all that motion. They're going to need to slow down that rush because you just can't have Mahomes in the gun and let those dudes tee off because if they tee off and they start rotating, they're like eight, nine deep. As good as the Chiefs' offensive line is, it's going to be an issue. That That's going to be an issue. So you're going to have to find a way to slow down that rush. Yeah. Um, you, you actually mentioned the screen game. I think we're going to see a lot of screens. Um, I think – Isaiah Pacheco and Jared McKinnon, we're going to see a lot of screens from them out in the backfield. I think we'll see a lot of wide receiver screens as well. Yeah, to um, Juju especially. Juju's another guy you need to really Yeah, Juju's so good on those wide receiver screens. And Jared McKinnon's one of the best screen um, pass catchers and runners in the league. Um, so 
potentially as a second option. Um, but I would say, yeah, they're going to have to at least have some type of rush game. They can't do what they did against Cincinnati and expect to have the same offensive success because they couldn't run the ball against Cincy at all. Um, so it, they're going to have to have some type of consistent success in the wrong game. It doesn't have to be a lot, Mike. I think it just has to be enough to where keep them off balance. That threat. Yeah, make them think a little bit. Keep them off balance. Does doesn't have to be crazy. Just enough. But if they can't get any production in the run game, then it's 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 going to be tough. And I, I just think it's the, I think the Eagles are just the better team from top to bottom. I think the Chiefs have the best player, they have the best coach. I mean, I mean, which I do think beats something. But it's going to take a hell of an effort. <laughs> it's going to take a hell of an effort. It is going to yeah. take one hell of an effort. I think Mahomes is going to have to be the best player on offense. Chris Jones is going to have to be the best player on defense. And Andy Reid is going to have to be in the kitchen cooking all those plays up. Yeah. And you can't let Philadelphia get out to a lead because that's what they do. They get out to a lead and they just bludgeon these teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. It's 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 going to all be about the Chiefs are going to have to work it front. I think for the majority of this game and keep the Eagles behind and keep them on their toes. So would you rather have the Chiefs start with the ball in the first half or second half? Nope. Nope. I want them to defer. I I have always been, you defer every time. I don't care what it is. I've always been like that. Because um, I, I just, personally, I love having the ball first to start the second half. Because if you're in a, if you're in a hole and you need something to happen, you know, you didn't have a good first half, but maybe you can make those second half adjustments. It is so important to have that ball to get in the second half. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I've always liked to see what the defense is able to do first. Because I think that kind of sets the tone for the game for the Chiefs. It's like, well, if the Eagles go down and just, you know, go down to like seven plays, go 75 yards and score an easy touchdown. You know you're going to have to be in shoot at it that way. If the defense gets a stop and, you know, gets a punt or at least holds them to a field goal, then you're thinking, all right, maybe maybe we don't have to be in, you know, we have to score a touchdown every single drive in possession. Um, so even if they win the toss, I, I'd still prefer. That's fair. I, I would probably agree with you. Um, it's probably typically always better to defer Especially since you probably want to ease yourself into the game, and it's always nice have making those adjustments when you have Andy Ro- Andy Reid and Mahomes in the second half, and you kind of know it's go time. We start with the ball, right? We can take the momentum in for the second half of action. Uh, that's probably the best way to do it. But this is going to be a game. Uh, two number one seeds. I think that's the first time that's happened in a little in a little bit too. So, Nathan, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to talk sports and football, especially. And once again, I want to thank Nathan for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 535th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Virginia is for love.